I guess early winter. It was early winter because it was cold at night. And we met uh, Charles and Christy Phillips. And they pastor in uh, Roland, Oklahoma. Charles has traveled as an apostolic evangelist. He's ministered United States and I know internationally. And um, we, we just kind of said, hi, how are you? We introduced ourselves and we came home that uh, morning he preached, but I knew it was on the cast, so I looked and listened to it. And I felt like the Lord just really impressed me with what he had to say. And uh, I just thank the Lord for bringing them today. So, Charles, you've got freedom here to preach or prophesy, and I've already told Christy she did. Garland gave me a word on her. But uh, come on, let's just bless the Lord and welcome them this morning in Jesus' name. Charles Phillips. We love you. Thank you so much. Reach up there, down here, wherever you want. It's good to be in Sky Took. It's, uh, I feel glad to be here. Um, I preached a lot of places. Some places um, you go because um, you're sent there to open a word to a region or you're, you're there for a specific region uh, purpose. And sometimes I don't know what all that purpose is. And, but it's always good. When I got here last night, I told Christy, I said, I really feel good in Skytook. I said, I feel like the Lord is fixing to do something, is doing something. And we are a part of that. And uh, so that, that really settled in my spirit. Got the best night's sleep last night. And I know the Lord has something great for us. Uh, Christy, you have a word you want to give? Not ready? Well, you tell me when you're ready, okay? And uh, so I love my wife. Uh, Chuck loves her too. And uh, he, uh, tr he tr tries to, huh? Okay. it good okay um chuck loves christy and he really tries to uh steal her away sometimes back in the past and use her and prophesy and send her all over the place and uh but uh i've kept her around a bit <laughs> so uh but i'm thankful for that i'm thankful that uh, and she'll share a word with us in just momentarily but i really think uh that we're in a season where the lord is saying come up here we're in a time where God is moving us into a uh, moment of greater intimacy. Um, I, I feel that this is a time where God is also branching us out into different things. So you're going to hear a word today that comes from that. When I travel into places and when I go into places or if I preach at home, I want to be impactful, I want to be anointed, and I want to be sent. And those are the, that's the purpose which we're called to be. And um, I love what you were sharing earlier about the little boys chopping the wood. Uh, when Jesus said, go heal the sick, I love words. And my spiritual father was a word man. Like he would read a scripture and one word would just pop out to him. 
And uh, so uh, I'm a word man. So when uh, Jesus said to heal the sick, it literally part of the word heal means to practice. And we get so discouraged because we don't think we have enough faith to be miraculous. When the Lord just tells us to get out there and practice. And he even tells us, he said, there was a person who came, he said, and she knocked and she petitioned the judge and she just kept on. And she got no favor, but her persistence opened the door. A lot of times healing has nothing to do with your faith. It has something to do with your persistence. It has something to do with keeping on doing it until we see the results. My nephew passed away and he was killed in a car accident. He lived with us. We helped raise him. He was like a son to me. And he was my youth, uh, youth pastor and, and children's ministry pastor and things. He played drums. He's an amazing drummer in the church. He was a powerful part of our church. God saved him from drugs. It was a miraculous story. And, um, but anyway, he was texting and driving on his way home. And his last text was, have you seen the movie Holy Ghost? And uh, with uh, Todd White and them, and we had ordered that movie, and he was texting a young lady, and he was telling her about the power of this movie and everything, and he lost his life. That tells me two things. We can be doing something for the Lord and doing it wrong. And the enemy move in and capitalize on us. Most of the revivals that we've seen in the past have came and they've left us and they've left us wondering a couple of things. We're here to re-steward revival and bring revival in a greater measure. My friends, you said Canada, uh, I preached up in Canada for a few years and every year I would go up. Uh, Arthur Porowski, which you see on TV, are friends of mine and Pastor Peter. I've been with them, I know them. And uh, they feed the poor on the streets of Calgary every Sunday. I mean, they, they set out a buffet and they preach and they, and they read the scripture. Peter is not a powerful, anointed, um, what we call prophetic, apostolic preacher. But he is a preacher. And Peter's greatest message is to read scripture. He'll read scripture with boldness. What I have seen when I visited Canada is that the reading of the scripture alone provoked the devil to great violence. When you were reading scripture today, y'all's my kind of people because that's what I, scripture is something we have to get back to. Every prophetic word has to hinge and pivot on scripture. It, it's the foundation. It's what the Lord spoke to us with the logos and said here and with the Holy Spirit is going to bring back to remembrance and give us the rhema word to move for today. And so while Peter and them, Peter was speaking to me the other day, and uh, they're, they're being persecuted, but one of the greatest um, uh, promoters of the persecution in Canada was this. Are y'all ready for it? When Arthur was attacked by the government and told to shut down his church over COVID, there were local pastors who didn't agree with how Arthur did it. So they hinged their togetherness, their unity on he should have done this better, he should have done that. 
we're going to leave them alone. And then Canada took over the church, shut down. And pastors, I was speaking to Peter and I said, Peter, what, what is going on? And he said, the churches will not unite because they do not like our message or tactics. And they said, they're leaving us out to dry. How many's experienced that in the church world? They're leaving us out to dry. They're hanging us out here and they are stealing our freedoms. And they are, uh, he said, we're in a rally right now. Axa, his wife, sent me a, a, a video. And uh, it also, that video also got on um, uh, world news. But the video was, they're worshiping over here. The police are issuing arrest warrants. And Axa turns her camera over to a thousands of Muslims worshiping unmasked. And she said, are you going to arrest them? And the policeman never would even acknowledge. She said, sir, are you going to arrest them? Look at them. They're going, look at them. And she was bringing attention, and he had orders to persecute the church. This is where we're at. And she said, this is coming to America if you don't stand up. Part of my word is is spiritual realm and earth realm. The apostolic deals with both realms. It brings heaven into earth and causes, ooh, I felt the Holy Spirit on that. It brings heaven into earth and causes the earth to shake and shift and flip. Remember when the apostle went into the city and it said the leaders of the city, and if you look up the word leaders, it meant political leaders, politicians. It said when they went into the city and they preached, the politicians came out to meet them and said, are you the ones turning our world upside down? And what looks upside down on the earth is really right side up in heaven. Is everybody catching that? Listen, faith never looks forward only. It looks backward. See, you haven't heard that, but my friend, the rabbi, told me, he said, faith looks backwards. Because what? She said, God knows the end of a thing from the beginning. So God really looks back and says, I did this. I created this for this reason. And I can call the end to it because I know what I created it for. See, we're created for a purpose. And that purpose is healing. Every one of us have healing in our body. And our body is made to heal itself. So when we speak to ourselves, we should start speaking to ourselves in a greater measure from the very beginning. What is my purpose? What is my body designed to do? What is my spirit designed to do? And so while they're being persecuted in Canada and they're seeing these things, the church is learning a great lesson up there too because you would think they would be united. Now, one of the Baptist churches um, opened up and he started having service. And we saw they built a fence around, the government built a fence around his building. And so he, this was a Baptist church. And they, they're just, Baptists are good. They just preach the cross, man. I mean, we Pentecost fight over everything. Charismatics, we fight over everything. The Baptists just preach the cross. They're, they're getting you to the cross. I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't hurt a Baptist for nowhere around because they're not going to hurt you. They're going to give you scripture and just preach the cross. And, you know, you might not never tear down any kingdoms, but you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna know how to get to Jesus. And so the Baptist church opened up and they just started having service. They arrested the pastor. They built a fence around the, the, the entire church, the government did. 
And uh, then the pastor, they get out, Arthur and them begin to help them. The pastor unites with them and some churches are slowly coming in. But what I've seen is, is a lot of people are being conditioned. I'm giving us a great word today. We've been conditioned over the years to receive what Pharaoh has for us and to live under a Pharaoh economy and live under a place. Now, I love government. I pray for the government. I think we ought to be in it. But the word you're going to hear from me today is we've sat too long. The church preached such a rapture-driven theology years ago that we give up our place on the earth. Chrissy and I grew up under R.W. Shambach, one of the greatest ministers. Loved him. He slapped big hands on us many times. He's prophesied great things. When he was dying, uh, they called, and uh, we were supposed to go down there, and he was going to lay hands on us again and just impart to us. Now, that might not mean nothing to you, but I believe in generational legacies. I, that's, see, that's how I preach, and that's, I think that's how the apostolic is. And I'm just talking to us for a minute before I give us this word. I believe in that. And so we were headed down there to do that because I believe in it. But one thing I saw with Shambach and his daughter, Donna, uh, had spoke on in a message that she released was that even my father preached such a rapture-driven theology that he preached that live here, live it up, leave it with the bank. And what it did was it created a whole generation of people that were in such debt that didn't prepare for futures for their children, grandchildren, or anything else. I believe the apostolic today is preparing people not only to get into the gates of heaven, but to bring heaven here and to leave a generational legacy of wealth, power, and miraculous supernatural uh, ability to live on this earth. How many want that? How many want to start living in supernatural manifested ability? Uh, I was praying for a bunch of people the other day and the Lord said, pray for yourself. I hardly ever pray for myself except for keep the door of my mouth when I'm driving down the road. That I don't, <laughs> that dude cut me off, flip me off, that I don't sin against you. Don't let me do that. Uh, help me this. But the Lord said, stop and pray for yourself a minute. And so while I was driving, I began to pray for myself. And I said, Lord, I just bless myself. I just, I just speak over myself. And I, I just release those blessings. And, and I just want to thank you for what you're doing. And just a few minutes later, a few minutes later, uh, I was sitting at a restaurant, I got a phone call, and something that I needed moved, moved immediately. We've been praying over our daughter's new business. She's just knocking them down with new sales. We're believing God for great things. How many want to see great things in your life? Well, let's go to 2 Kings 4 and 1. And you were talking about insignificant things. This is a time where the very insignificant things become significant. Um, we're moving. Uh, I, the people that I run with are really challenging themselves to move in supernatural power. Um, COVID is real. So is poverty. So is depression. So is cancer. Those things are here. They're here on the earth. My goal is to see earth turn into heaven. And the first earth that's going to turn into heaven is my earth. And so I'm learning even greater uh, in myself. You met me in a tr such a transition because the Lord was really speaking to me, uh, preaching over 30 years. And, you know, I look back and I'm like, 
what have I accomplished? What have I done? How have I impacted the region I'm in, the people I am with? What disciples have I made? You know, we're, we're interested in making sons uh, for our purpose to help us, but what are we doing with discipleship? How are we training people uh, to live victorious right now and to challenge them? Um, I have found this to be true. You can pray over a person. You can let them sing on your stage. You can let them preach on your pulpit. But when you challenge them in changing their mindset in, in like their finances, their, uh, their, uh, the way they speak, and all of these things, they, can, they have a choice to make. They'll, they'll turn. They'll, they'll it'll anger something inside of their spirit. See, they can sing and preach and prophesy and never accomplish really anything. You accomplish it when you bring heaven to earth and heaven starts manifesting. And then that's when demons show up. I'm not so much worried about demons, but the, uh, there's a movement in the church today that is such a finished work. I'm, I'm kind of in between finished work and we're still killing things here. <laughs> we're still slaying devils. I mean, uh, you know, there's such a movement today that doesn't believe in the devil. It doesn't believe. I mean, they're laughing and making fun of people who believe in demonic. Now, I've got friends that are so demonic-minded that they're trying to cast devil. They'll find a demon in you somewhere. I mean, they're like, you know, and don't get me started on that. I cast the devil out of a woman in Canada. She's the mother of the church, and she manifested in the floor, threw a bunch of people off of her, and she's in her 80s, and her son and them was holding her down. And Pastor Cola was like, what's going on here? And I said, well, that's a devil, and <laughs> we'll be over in a minute. That should tell us something. But there's, there's people that are looking for demons everywhere. There are people that are saying that there's, there's not demonic activity. I, someone um, recently challenged me and said, the Lord finished everything. We're just here to enjoy what he has. We don't fight anymore. And I'm like, well, a person that doesn't fight for anything is a person that's lost everything. I contend daily. How many agree with me? How many want to contend daily? See, it's, 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 it's tiring to contend daily, but it's rewarding to contend. We, we're, we're fighting for something. And uh, while he has won the victory for us, we're making sure. James Nesbitt called me and said, what are you doing, man? And I said, I'm just driving down the road. And I said, I just get, got told. I said, it's weird you called. I said, I just got told that all the preaching that I've ever preached is no good because Jesus won the victory and we're just here to enjoy it. And we just, and he said, man, that's some crazy uh, 70 stuff. He said, I used to be in that back in the day. He said, it's like humanism messed up and weird. And I said, well, tell me what you think. And he said, we're sons of God and we're going to put his enemies under our feet and under his. He's going to make earth his footstool. And I said, James, that's what I want to hear. I said, that's what I'm talking about. And I said, good thing you called. He said, well, man, I was just thinking about you. How many know sometimes the person you're thinking about needs what you have to say? That's like making disciples out of people. So how many's got 2 Kings 4? Amen. All right. Now the wives of the man of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, and they said, your servant, my husband, is dead and know that your servant feared the Lord. So I want to stop for a minute. A woman cries out to Elijah, who had a double portion, and she said, my servant, your servant, my husband, 
is dead. He feared the Lord. Watch this. But the creditor's coming to take my sons, my two sons, to be his slaves. And Elijah said to her, what can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing except a jar of oil. Now, we've heard this preached. I'm going to read a couple more passages, but I want to stop right here a minute. Two things really caught my attention here when I read this. And one of them was that in church building, in church building, that you can become so focused building the church that you'll forget to build your home. You'll become focused in church building and you'll forget to begin to position your home for breakthrough. Part of the apostolic, the, the apostolic that I preach combines heaven and earth and causes us to move in miraculous power insight like the sons of Issachar to move with an anointing to know what to do at any specific purpose and to set ourselves up and our generations up not only to continue to live here but to thrive and to advance the kingdom the way God said. Now she was, um, she said, my husband, your servant, he's dead and he feared the Lord but the creditor's coming. It was tragic because as soon as this man died, the creditor is coming to get his kids. Isn't that terrible? That, that story, we read the Bible like it never happened. This literally happened. We read the Bible like where Jesus said, get you behind me, Satan. We're like, get behind me, Satan. And don't put, I mean, Jesus was like, get behind me. I like what Jesus whispered, Tabitha. And I, I just want to read it the way he did it. And then he turned around to Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. Isn't that amazing? But we'll read that. Lazarus, come forth. Or if you're very religious, you'll scream it all. You know, you'll just, when Tabitha, Tabitha whispered. You know, so we get, you know, we have to read it in the context of how Jesus said it. But what was amazing to me is, is whenever this man died immediately, creditors were coming to take his household, his children away from him, and to take his legacy. And Elijah, now watch this. I love Elijah. But watch what he did. Immediately he said, what can I do for you? Now I pastored long enough to know this. When someone comes to me and I'm immediate in my response, that means I've got responsibility in that issue. I know something. If someone came to me and they was like, you told me to drive down to Skytook, you told me to take my car and get there ASAP, God was going to do something. My car broke down three times, I had a wreck, I did this, a deer hit me, and I'm like, come on, let's pay for this car, let's get this car fixed, we can do this. Because if it hinges on the word that you sent, there's a responsibility, a dual responsibility between the apostolic and those they disciple. And when she said, he's dead, the creditors are coming, Elijah turns around and says, what can I do for you? Because he accepts responsibility. As great as he was, he had focused 
on building the kingdom of God while he allowed those that were with him to suffer in their house and not put the kingdom business to work in their home. Have you ever heard this? I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you because the kingdom wants us moving in the kingdom here and in our home as well. Uh, A man told me one time, he said, why won't you preach me? And I was like, I'm honest. I made a bunch of excuses up, but I told my wife, I said, I've seen how he treats his woman. I've seen how he treats his wife. I said, I don't want him preaching because I've seen what he does at home. Can we say amen? The kingdom is the kingdom here. It's the kingdom at Walmart. It's the kingdom at home. Um, One of the greatest uh, uh, words that was ever spoken to me was take the anointing behind the pulpit and put it to use in your house. How many want to prosper? How many want a word so powerful now, I'm not talking about just prospering in money. He said, you'll prosper and be in health as your soul prosper. How many want a word from heaven that you can shift everything in your home and, and it profits your home in such joy, peace, and wealth, and prosperity, and it changes everything that your children are moving in, even your generations begin to turn because you heard a word that was so powerful and it was built on such solidness in the kingdom of God that heaven's weight was, was with it, the kavod was with it and it moved you and it shook you and it cost you to change everything in your life a a girl comes to me and she's working for mcdonald's she's a manager and she says i don't know what to do blah 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 and i said her husband was standing there and i said brandy i said the lord just told me to tell you to quit your job and i never her husband jaw dropped and i was like i can't believe i said that and i was like you know i said she said really And I said, for some strange reason, I I feel like, yes. And uh, so she goes out. She's a worker. She goes out and she finds another job. She quits this job right. She finds another job. She works there, what, a year, babe? And then all of a sudden, McDonald's calls her back, the owners, and they own a bunch of McDonald's in Oklahoma. And they said, we want you back. We didn't do you right. We're giving you a car. We're giving you this. We're giving you increase. We're taking this off of you. This is going to be here. And the next thing you know, she's like shouting the victory. Because some, and I'm not telling you to quit. See, we hung on a word. Oh, we're all going to quit our jobs. No, you better not quit your job. You might go hungry. Another friend of ours, see, I'm talking about a word of knowledge so powerful. So, I mean, it's apostolic to me. It's so, so apostolic. It's so powerful. A friend of ours was like, uh, they're, they're good givers, they're, they're spiritual people, they, they sow into other people, and, and uh, he was like, I'm just not happy with my job, and I said, well, let's pray over this, and he, I said, start blanketing, and he said, I'm going to put out things, so he got so many offers, we prayed over those, God put him in a place, and they just loved him, they said, hey, you're so amazing, we want to keep you forever, how would you like to work at a job where every time you walk in, they're like, you're the best thing that we've ever seen, you're so great, well, during all of this, compliments and all of this, a huge corporation reached out to Greg and they said we want you we want to interview you and he was like well he told us he said I feel so horrible this they love me so much at this new job I don't know what to do I said do your best there see what God has this company interviewed him baby what seven nine times 
It was ridiculous. I, I, mean, I was even like, the Lord, I, I kept feeling be patient, but I was like, look, if they can't make up their mind, they don't want you now, just give up. I mean, the uh, staff was interviewing him. This one finally met with the president of the company and this, and you know what finally happened when he met with the president of the company after seven or nine times? He is making like three times his salary that he was. It, it's incredible. He worked there two weeks they sold some money into someone, and he, worked, he was just working there two weeks, and God said, sow some money into this person. The person that they sold the money into thanked them, texted them back, and said, I want God to bless you a hundred times. Do you know he worked there two weeks, and his bonus was a hundred times nearly to the penny of what that person said. They called us last night, and they said, I don't even understand this. I feel like I need to call this person, and, and that person was our daughter that said, I bless you a hundred times. I said, you give her a call. You allow her to see what God did by just being obedient. How many want to be so obedient that it opens a door of heaven into your life? Elijah said, what can I do for you? How can I cause this to uh, rectify itself? And she said, all I've got is just a jar of oil. Here's what God is doing. The last thing we need to do is minimize what's in our hands. We need to stop minimizing where we're at, and we need to start maximizing what is happening. I used to sit on the back.